It's Law and Gospel Open Mic Friday, April the 5th in the year of our Lord, 2019. Now, what's Open Mic Friday? It's an opportunity for you to call in. I'll give you the numbers in a moment and ask any theological question on your mind. Only too glad to respond to it. Can't promise I'm going to be able to give you an answer for one of two reasons. Number one, I may not know where the answer is in the Bible. Or number two, there is no answer in the Bible. So don't hesitate to call. In St. Louis, it's 821-0850. And anywhere in the United States of America, it's one 800 7302727 and that number by the way is a toll free number so don't hesitate to give a ring if you have anything on your mind we had talked about the centurion servant being healed and that was on Monday's bible study uh, well, actually, it was on Wednesday, the Bible study for Wednesday. And then on Thursday, yesterday, we talked about an article written by an individual as to what kind of worship God is pleased with. And what was so amazing to me, it was about eight pages long, uh, this particular article. Not once did it mention the name Jesus, not once. How can you talk about proper worship from God's point of view and never mention Jesus Christ? That's really too bad that that happened. And so don't hesitate. 821-0850, toll free 1-800-730. 2727, a toll-free number. We pay for it. All I need to have is a name up on the board, and we can go right to the first caller who's called us. And I'm just waiting here. Well, maybe they can't get the name up on the board. Let me just kick in and see if, if they're there. Uh, hello, you're on the air. Who's this? Oh, nobody. Okay. That was somebody who had called and then obviously had a different item on their mind and did not want to be on the air. We definitely are talking about proper worship. One of the themes that the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod had and has for the upcoming convention this July is it's all about Jesus. And unless you talk about Jesus, my, that can really be a non-starter. Now, one of the things I'm doing, I put on about 1,000 miles per week in going to congregations, uh, preaching to four congregations right now, Lenten services uh, midweek, then two congregations on Sunday, the regular services, Put on about a 1,000 miles, and I'm always eager to find something to listen to in the car while I'm doing that. And I 
do have Sirius XM, which has the Symphony Hall, which is quite excellent. Uh, recently, on an anniversary of Bach, they played Symphony Hall music about Bach during the whole morning. So that was a quick trip. And then I also enjoy listening to music from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. They have separate stations for that. They also have a comedy station. Uh, they have a lot of repeats on that. So when I turn to it and I've already heard it, I sometimes go to something else. But in cleaning up our house, we, um, or I found a set of CDs of the entire Bible. And what was interesting about these CDs is they not only have music affiliated with the various passages, but when they're reading the Bible, there's one person who reads the Bible, but then, for example, when Abraham was meeting with uh, Jesus and the two angels, Jesus had a different voice than did Abraham did than did the individual reading it. And so I started that this week, and I just finished the book of Ec uh, Genesis. Uh, that's I'm, I'm just going starting with number one. There's about 80 CDs. And I consider them to be well done. I haven't quite figured out the translation they're using yet. But it's giving me a reminder of things that I had forgotten. Or when you're listening in the car, I have a sheet of paper beside me. And I'm writing down notions that I had either forgotten about or I said, well, boy, this is going to be something pretty good to do. Uh, for example, the Bible has a lot of places where they talk about, for example, the sons of Jacob or Israel. They name the son. They say who was born in his family, give all those names. And oftentimes they'll also give how old they lived before breath left them. The one thing I found really important in this last series I was listening to last night on my way home from uh, worship was Joseph and his brothers. Benjamin was the youngest son. And Joseph had had his favorite piece of gold cup put in Benjamin's sack when he sent the brothers back to Canaan. And, of course, the soldiers caught up with them, and they went through all the sacks. They found it in Benjamin's. And so what was going to happen is that Benjamin was going to be kept in prison. But Joseph finally revealed himself to his brothers. And when he did that, they could not say anything. And I'm sure part of the reason was they were very afraid of him because they had sold him into slavery, if you'll remember. And so when he was sold into slavery, Joseph had a very good attitude towards that. He said, you meant evil towards me, but God meant it for good. And after Israel died, that's Jacob, the brothers thought, now he'll get even with us for what we had done to him. 
But by God's grace, they did not get even with him. And Joseph instead, he said, I'm not God. I'm not the one who is going to take vengeance upon you. And instead, he let them go and gave them a beautiful place to live in in Egypt. Now, what happened, of course, is a pharaoh who followed the pharaoh who really liked Joseph did not appreciate the Israelites at all, said, boy, they're getting to be too many, and they put him into slavery. And it was at that point that that pharaoh made a rule that every child that was born of a Hebrew parent would be thrown into the Nile if he was male. But they could keep the female. Now, I'm not really quite sure why he made that distinction, but we all know the story well of Moses' mother hiding her son for three months after he was born, and then it was getting too difficult to do that, so they made... And the Hebrew word is actually the same word used for an ark. And put Moses into this little ark and had it occur in, uh, had it into the sea. And Pharaoh's daughter had come down to wash and saw that and really took pity on the child when she opened the ark. And the child's sister was standing on the bank kind of watching what's going to happen to him. And she ran up to Pharaoh's daughter and said, would you like me to find a Hebrew woman who will help you to take care of this child? And the Pharaoh's daughter said, oh, yes. And guess what? The little girl ran back to her mother, who was Moses's mother, and she was the one who helped bring her bring him up. And he became into the house of Pharaoh, and a number of things happened there. Now, I have often said, where is Jesus in every passage? Is he anywhere? And the fact is, he's everywhere. Because look at the coincidences that occurred. First of all, when Moses was born, it was not discovered by the Egyptians that he was born, and therefore he was not killed. So God kept him safe for three months. Then when he was put into the ark, onto the water, Pharaoh's daughter just so happened to be there, and therefore Moses became her son, so to speak. But who was taking care of him? His own mother. You cannot read the Bible without seeing the hand of God everywhere because God had made a promise to Abraham that they would be coming to the land of Canaan and receiving that land with many blessings. And as you read through Genesis, the way I'm just listening to it, it really fits well together. Now, remember, today is Open Mic Friday. If you want to call with any question you might have on your mind, at 8210850 or 1-800-730-2727. I did get an email from one of our listeners 
who was asking me about my comment I had made in regard to sacrifices to God. And he had a Bible verse where it talks about in the liturgy that we are to provide sacrifices to God. What I was trying to get across is we don't give God sacrifices in order to get something back from God. This is not a tit-for-tat kind of relationship where I give you something, now I expect something back from you. That would be kind of earning our salvation. We do give sacrifices to God. In fact, that occurs during a worship service where we sing, sacrificing our voices to God and our ears in hearing God's word in gospel and also in our mouth in receiving the sacraments of the Lord's Supper and particularly baptism as water is placed on our bodies and we are brought into the kingdom of God. So there's no doubt that the Christian life is one of offering sacrifices to God, but it's not done for the purpose of meriting or earning our salvation. That was the point I was trying to make. Whereas everywhere else, that is the way it is. Remember when Elijah and the prophets of Baal and Elijah made a deal with him. Okay, you pray to your God, here's your altar, and see if he'll bring fire on the altar to take care of the sacrifice you put on there. And boy, they were praying all day, and they were cutting themselves. They were doing all kinds of things to try to motivate their God to act properly. And of course, nothing happened. But when Elijah asked God, to take care of the sacrifices. He didn't give him any particular sacrifice in order that he would do that. He just requested it. And before God did anything, Elijah had put jars of water on the sacrifice, on the rocks, on the animal. And then when he stood back, God had sent a burning fire that destroyed and sacrifice not only the animal, but even the rocks. It was that hot. And then, of course, the prophets of Baal were put to death because they are false prophets. But there's an example where Elijah didn't have to do anything, make up to God, merit his salvation. That's very important for us to understand. We have a God who desires to be merciful and gracious to you, which means he desires not to give you what you deserve. As we say often in our confession, we deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. He does not desire to do that. The Bible says God does not desire the death of a sinner. And therefore, those who have that eternal death are those who would prefer to be there than in the presence of God. A good example of that is the devil himself. He sees the marvelous works that God has done. He's well aware that God had created the world in six 24-hour days. He's quite astute as to the history of the Bible, 
and therefore doesn't deny any of the history, like going through the Red Sea on dry ground, but that still isn't sufficient to cause him to trust in the promises of God. So there's an example of all those who will not be saved. They really don't want to be saved under this God. They reject his mercy. They reject his grace. And if they have any sins, they're willing to pay for it themselves. This is a hard thing to understand, but it is certainly found throughout the Scripture again and again. So if any of you have a question on anything, 8210850 in St. Louis, toll free 1-800-730-2727. That's toll free anywhere in the United States, 1-800-730-2727. I indicated in the promo that we are going to be starting on Monday taking a look at Passion Week, which starts the following Sunday. We refer to it as Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday reminds us of the palms that were laid out before Jesus as he came into Jerusalem. By the way, that same reading is found not only in Holy Week, which will be in our day in April, but it's also found in December during the season of Advent because Jesus is coming in a number of ways. He came in the Bethlehem stable. He came into Jerusalem. He comes into your heart, and he will be coming on the last day, on the day of judgment. So I can understand why one of the reading selections during the season of Advent is the Palm Sunday reading. But a pastor who's knowledgeable about the church year will really have a different theme for that Palm Sunday reading in December than he will have for the one in April that we're about to get to. And then, of course... We're going to be following that up with Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, wonderful services, and finally, Easter Sunday. And I'll be putting another 1,000 miles on the car during that time because I just really enjoy going around preaching the Word of God. And you would think, well, you must have about 25 Easter sermons. Well, yes, I do. But when I preach a sermon, I try to relate it to the particular congregation that I'm dealing with. For example, on Sundays, I preach at two different congregations. And the one really hears a somewhat different sermon than the other because of the situation with that congregation in comparison to the other. Uh, What we're dealing with is each congregation, take a look at the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Jesus is giving messages to the seven churches. And you will find almost immediately in reading them that each message is different, even though they are all Christian congregations. 
Well, primarily in those seven congregations, except for just one of them, there is some false teaching going on, which Jesus speaks about and tries to correct. There's a promise to each congregation. So a pastor, it's kind of difficult to get a call and say, would you come and preach at our congregation? We're in Iowa. Uh, we'll be glad to fly you in and and so forth. Yes, you can do a sermon, but it may not be touching the particular items that that congregation has. And so that's why we disagreed yesterday with that article talking about what's proper worship. We do not believe that proper worship can occur without ever mentioning the name of Jesus or talking about what he preached or specifically what he did for the whole world. So I always like to talk about a sermon where I attempt to give some insight from the text that may not be known by members of the congregation. That was a little difficult for me to do in my primary congregation I was at for 28 years because as members, I had five professors from the seminary. And sometimes some of those items that I would bring up, I had been taught by them in the courses I took from them. But I'm sure they didn't mind it because they realized the people needed to hear that too. So not only do we like to give an insight that people are unaware of, but we always end on the note of the gospel. And what that means is it's a word of comfort after the particular problem that the text shows that all of us have as a sinner. How do we get rid of that particular problem? And that is gotten rid of by Jesus Christ, our Savior. It really does make quite a difference, for sure. Okay, uh, we're waiting for a name to come up here. We've only got a few minutes. If we could have the name right away, and we'll ask them their question. Unless this is somebody else. Well, let me go to the phone and see. Uh, hello, you're on the air. Oh, it could be our phones aren't working today because I've never had an open mic Friday where I don't hear from somebody. And so, well, here it is. Let's try this. Cheryl, is that you? Yes, yes. I, I had to call the, the other number to get a hold of you. Oh, well, then we're having a problem with the numbers. Yeah. Uh, How can I help you, Cheryl? We only got a few minutes. Okay, there was in the new catechism ex explanation... On page 358, there was a quote, uh, a, there's a whole page about worship, and it said, The highest worship of God is faith that receives all that he promises in his word. And then there was a quote uh, from a Luther sermon for, uh, that he was giving for the dedication of a new church. And he said, May nothing else ever happen in it except that our dear Lord himself may speak to us through his holy word, and we respond to him through prayer and praise. I thought that was a really good quote. That is an excellent quote also for what is proper worship. Very good. Yes, because that proper worship, I like what you said, 
that proper worship is faith that receives the gifts of God in a worship service. And that certainly comes about uh, for sure uh, in proper worship, in contrast to every other religion where they have to earn what they receive. We get it by grace. Thank you very much for your program. Thank you so much for calling, Cheryl. And, um, yeah, I was wondering why the calls weren't coming in. We, we had a little problem uh, with a couple of the numbers. In fact, I was told that some people calling from Canada weren't getting through, and I'm still going to be testing that because I thought I had received uh, Canadian calls in the past. But, okay. So we know that there was a phone problem today. That's kind of hard when you have Open Mic Friday, but that's all right. God had a purpose for it. Remember, Monday is going to be the first opportunity that we're going to be getting into Holy Week. And we're looking forward to that with talking about Palm Sunday. There's actually three readings that they have for Palm Sunday. I haven't decided which one I'm going to take a look at, or I may even take a look at the epistle. So join us on Monday as it is going to be the beginning of Holy Week studies. I'm Tom Baker. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.